A binge-worthy show about Jesus? The Chosen Season 3 is here. Come and see what the buzz is about. The Chosen explores the imperfect and messy relationships of real humans following Jesus. All Season 3 episodes are available now. Stream every episode for free. Plus, watch exclusive content like The After Show, only in the new Chosen app. Download the Chosen app on mobile and TV streaming devices. Visit BingeJesus.com to learn more. Fentanyl. It could be hiding anywhere, including in your house, including in your medicine cabinet, or maybe at a friend's house where you're hanging out, playing games, and you get offered a pill. Don't take chances. If a drug didn't come from a pharmacy directly to you, you can find fentanyl by using a simple strip you can pick up at your local pharmacy. Don't take it until you test it, because fentanyl can be hiding anywhere. Brought to you by the Georgia Department of Behavioral Health and Mental Disabilities. What they don't want you to know with your host, Mr. Noriega. See the government keeping secrets? You bet they are. To hear those secrets are revealed, he sure seven years researching the common core of the education system. Author Noriega. What they don't want you to know. Welcome to the show in celebration of this very special occasion, the 100th episode of What They Don't Want You To Know. I've been bringing the truth to you, things that are secret, secret government files, secrets that are not revealed until today. What I've been bringing you in the past few years has been directly from my experience as I delved into the mysteries and secrets that they have been hiding from you. Is the government keeping secrets? You bet they are. And I'm proud to bring you those secrets and to expose the lies. Now, you have been wonderful, wonderful patrons following my podcast wherever you go spreading the news giving this to other people and as we celebrate the 100th episode i'd like to run through the top podcasts that i've had in the past few years starting with uh, the very first podcast that i did uh, several years ago in fact and as you know we are able to run this podcast to bring you these important things by your continued support and patronage Please make sure to come back time and time again and listen to one of your favorite episodes, anything you see from the list here that we're talking about, and spread this message to five other people. That way I will be able to continue to bring you this expedited news and this information that is vital to today's survival to understand what the hell is happening in our country and in our homes today. Now, without delay, I bring you the top podcasts of what they don't want you to know. Now, the very first episode I bring you is my very first episode altogether, which was entitled Fuel, an alternative energy source. And what I'd like to place emphasis on in this particular episode was that the the man that invented HHO or hydrogen coming out of water, the brown gas process to be able to use brown gas as fuel for your car, actually had his car running, everything. The man that discovered this process in the late 80s had a podcast. And what was so interesting is I was following this podcast and the man used to uh, have podcasts on gardening and other things that he liked, but he mentioned that he got injected in the arm 
by some person passing by and then he died a couple weeks later he said he was going to die uh, that the government injected him with some poison so that he would develop a rapid cancer because of his invention of turning water into hydrogen into a fuel of course the government would not have that and so this man rapidly died and in this episode I explain the alternative fuel of HHO and other alternative fuels and I point you out to the fact that here we are 30 years later and our hybrid cars they call them hybrid still only get about 30 20 to 30 miles to gallon despite the uh, CRX's of the 1980s used to get 80 70 to 80 miles to the gallon remember those and so who are they fooling what they don't want you to know is that they don't intend for you to ever get more than 30 miles to the gallon because that would destroy their system and here without delay is a chunk of that episode people have been playing with hydrogen for several decades now back in the 80s and 90s a hydrogen kit was developed here in utah by a man that made his car run on a hydrogen product derived you guessed it from water now i know that you've seen this on the internet uh water derivatives uh, hydrogen based derivatives uh, saying that you can get more economy on your car and yet there's uh uh, all these experts came to come in and say, hey, you know, that stuff doesn't work. Conservation of energy, conservation of energy. They promised us cars that run on, on hydrogen. They promised hydrogen stations, et cetera, et cetera. Well, guess who's got the in? The in man is here and you're talking to him live. What they didn't want you to know, fuel. Let me tell you about this hydrogen. The government was supposed to give us alternatives by the year 2010. That was several years ago. What did the government do? Let me tell you what they did about hydrogen. They set up a little hydrogen station over there in California, Riverside County. One hydrogen station in the whole state. They gave away 60 vehicles to the local population and said go ahead and test drive these vehicles we'll give them to you free for a few years test drive them see how they work here's the station etc etc now if you're the government and you want to implement a new successful plan a new successful economical plan that will boost the way that we use fuel you're not going to put one lonely gas station in the middle of nowhere and give away 60 cars to run your so-called test on hydrogen and you're not going to promote these hidden ads on television saying that hydrogen stations are very uh, volatile and they can explode and dangerous as we've heard in the media no what you're going to do is plant several gas stations in the heart of la or new york and then you're going to run an ad campaign by private citizens and open this up so that companies like GMC and Ford and General Motors can get in, make hydrogen cars and actually sell them to the public. You know what? If, if I knew that there was a hydrogen car out there, I would buy it in a second. Oh yeah, I would. Imagine going to the pump and filling up with hydrogen. Now I called 
the CEO of this company. I pretended I was somebody else and I called the CEO and I, and I asked exactly what this hydrogen pump was all about. I, did they store the hydrogen in tanks? Now, the reason why I'm saying this to you is because you've probably heard the so-called you can't make hydrogen on demand because uh, it, it, it's not relatively feasible. You have to have these huge storage tanks where to store the hydrogen, and the hydrogen itself is very volatile, very dangerous, et cetera, et cetera. Well, it's very volatile and dangerous. Then tell me this, how does NASA then propel its rockets with hydrogen? How does NASA plan to go to Mars and, and several other places and extract any water there to be able to what make hydrogen from the water and propel the rockets back that's because obviously hydrogen technology is the future hydrogen technology is safe efficient and one of the most powerful agents in propulsion that there is it's everywhere it's inside every molecule of water that you will find everywhere this thing is so abundant that as far as the energy crisis itself it would be done and rid of so when you're telling me that what there is no hydrogen or you have to store hydrogen. That's a bunch of hula. And I'll tell you why. Again, back to this. I called this person in the uh, uh, CEO of, of uh, that, that is running this supposed uh, uh, hydrogen station that also supplies, by the way, CNG, compressed natural gas and other products, uh, gasoline and such. But one of their pumps uh, provides hydrogen. Anyway, uh, I called him up and he said, I asked him, well, where, where do you store these, these, uh, the, where do you have, where do you keep all these big, huge tanks of hydrogen? He said, we don't. Uh, so I said, what kind of a system is this then? Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a on-demand system. It's a make on-demand, on-demand system, meaning that when you go to the pump itself, there is a, an electronis, uh, electrolysis process that's happening underground right by the pump that is producing instantly this hydrogen and pumping it out in enough quantity to fill up your vehicle on demand hydrogen so i said is this the hydrogen product that's the hho that's on the internet as soon as i said that he shut down on me and he was not talking why because that's exactly what it is what they were making was not a pure hydrogen but an hho derivative product that you get when you when, when, when the bubbling is coming up in the electrolysis process, the actual hydrogen and oxygen molecules, they separate and then they recombine as an HHO molecule, which is the same thing as water, but it's recombined in a, in a different way that now allows it to burn, just like hydrogen, but with its own little pack of oxygen. No longer water. I know, I know. It sounds weird in all the scientific mumble-jumbo, and perhaps we'll get some scientists on the air later on, but it is incredible how you will find all the misinformation from these big conglomerates and the oil companies that is all over the internet. I'll tell you what, I did a few of my experiments myself and uh, I've talked to a few people about it. Let me tell you what I found out. First of all, hydrogen on demand, easy to make. You take an electrolysis kit, you make it big enough and the thing pumps out enough hydrogen that it'll burn anything. Will it burn itself? I've seen all these things. You've seen them on the internet. You've gone on there and typed up HHO. Does it burn? Yes, it burns. Ah, uh, skeptical, skeptical. Buy one of these little kits yourself. Put it in a little container of water. 
watch it start bubbling, blah, 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 and light a match to it. See if it doesn't explode. If the thing explodes, oh, it'll burn in your gas tank, I'll tell you that right now. It'll burn in your fuel injectors, and it'll run your car. Don't take chances. If a drug didn't come from a pharmacy directly to you, you can test for fentanyl by using a simple strip you can pick up at your local pharmacy. Don't take it until you test it, because fentanyl can be hiding anywhere. Fentanyl, it could be hiding anywhere, including in your house, including in your medicine cabinet, or maybe at a friend's house when you're hanging out, playing games, and get offered a pill. Don't take chances. If a drug didn't come from a pharmacy directly to you, you can find fentanyl using a simple strip you can pick up at your local pharmacy. Don't take it until you test it, because fentanyl can be hiding anywhere. Brought to you by the Georgia Department of Behavioral Health and Mental Disabilities. The second episode I'd like to feature also comes from season one uh, over a decade ago. This was a special I ran on the radio. I was interviewed by Kate Daly on the Fox special on the Common Core. And in this episode, a very, very well played episode. I mean, played in front of tens of thousands of people, a vast audience. When I, a teacher of over a decade, researching the Common Core for over seven years, bringing all the information together and explaining about the Common Core. Now, when I met Kate Daly and I went on her show and I explained pre-handed everything that the Common Core was meant to do, she she was flabbergasted. She could not believe the information that I had to tell her. And so with the information that I gave her, her show took off and eventually she became syndicated because of the popularity of her uh, content that she had and also because of the popularity of this particular subject the common core at that time i was a world-renowned expert called the top expert in the united states and i explained how the common core was not particularly meant anything to do with education other than to manipulate your kids and to bring their moral standards down. But what it was meant to do was to be a foundation in government, a unique foundation to enable Barack Obama to bypass Congress. You see, back then we had a checks and balance system where the legislative, executive, and judicial were separate entities, and there were checks and balances between all three of those different pillars of government. But Common Core was meant to destroy all that by being the very first semi-law, because it was never a law. It was more of a hijack of the American way of life so that they could come in, bypass government, bypass the established system of separation of powers, and create something that is a federal demand from the White House, to bypass everything in legislature, to bypass the Senate, to bypass the House, and become a mandate. That was the Common Core. And without delay, I give you the Fox special. All right. Well, we have a very, very special guest today, and I'm really excited to have him on. His name is Sinoe Noriega, and he is actually, you know, I'm going to let, I'm going to let you tell about you, but He's here, um, and he's written a, an, 
an incredible book. It's called If It's Broken, Don't Fix It. And it's about our common core system. And, and who better to talk to than a teacher on the inside that's dealing with this every day. And so, Sinway, please introduce yourself. Tell us about you and, and tell us what brought you to this point in, in talking about Common Core. Well, thanks, Kate, mm-hmm. uh, Kate and Brian. Um, I'm a teacher, like you said, and I've been on the inside. I've been an educator for the past decade. And simply what happened was as a teacher back in 2006, when all the education jobs that were flourishing all of a sudden collapsed. And so I, I, I went in, into a, a threshold and, and something happened. I said, well, either I can find out what's happening with education or I can just continue being a regular teacher. And so at that point, I decided I'm going to uh, really explore what's happening with education. And so I have been researching the education system in several of the states, including Utah, Nevada, California, and several states here in the Southwest to really explore what's happening with education and why the collapse of education, uh, what's happening with our children, why are the scores continuing to downfall, and what happened with this takeover of Common Core? How did it happen overnight when really nobody voted for it? One night we had No Child Left Behind, and the next night, Common Core. So that's what I've been doing as a teacher and as a researcher on my book. Really important work, and what's interesting, it's coming from the inside. You know, a lot of teachers... I have talked to you. They say, oh, yeah, Common Core is great. Well, Common Core is not that great. Common Core is great. <laughs> and it's really frustrating me because I feel like there are some teachers that genuinely like it. And there, um, there is a lot of teachers out there that, that are not for this. They're against it. They don't like it. And they voice frustration to me. Well, the frustration's coming from the fear because that's what the administration's doing right now. They're trying to distract us and intimidate us, and especially the teachers, because of their job status. Right now, the administration is pushing hard on our school districts and saying, you have adopted Common Core. This is the standard, and we can't deviate from this. And if you do deviate, we're going to pull the funding. So the superintendents are pushing down on the principals. I've talked to several principals here in Utah, and their answer is this. We don't like it secretly, but there's nothing we can do about it. We can't do anything from the bottom up. And that's mistaken because we there is something we can do. We can fight back, but the fear comes. The fear comes from this new administration that's pushing down and bearing down on us and telling us what to do with our education in Utah. It's scary. And, you know, I have two kids in school, and, and they struggle with math. I've, I've got a very good math teacher now. I've had to, I've had to do a couple of replacements in math. Um, but I, I'm wondering, what has shifted? Because there's a lot of people listening, and they might not even have kids in school. But it's important for them to listen to this and know what's going on with the education of our youth. Why? Why is that so important? Well, the first thing is to be knowledgeable about what's going on. If you ask the common person, what is the common core? Most people don't even know, and less they know that the common core is now a national standard. It's not something that we voted for, that uh, our representatives voted for, that nobody knows what's happening. And so that's the important thing. What happened to education overnight? Because we used to have No Child Left Behind, but all of a sudden we had this collapse of No Child Left Behind, and this takeover on a national level. So that's what the important part is. How how did the nation adopt Common Core? Yeah, it seems like it kind of snuck in. 
it did sneak in. And this is what happened. And, and the important part to realize is this is un, completely unconstitutional. This is the first law ever, and that's very important, the first law ever in the history of the United States, a national law to bypass Congress. In other words, we have three branches of government. We have the legislative branch. That's Congress. We elect those officials, and they're the ones that write the laws. But this is the first time ever in the history of the United States where a law has passed on a national level bypassing Congress. And the reason that happened is because the administrators, the administration set that up so that that could become a template. Now, you've probably noticed that a lot more laws have started to sneak in, and now the administration of Obama's last statement was, I have a pen and I have a phone, basically saying that he can make legislation from his office. Well, the reason that is now possible is because of Common Core. They set up Common Core as a template to be able to see, well, is there a way that we can bypass Congress to start setting up legislation without the aid of the House or the Senate? And guess what? They did do it. And they did it without your vote. They did it without your representative's vote. And they did it against the Constitution, both of the United States of America and against the Constitution of Utah. Sounds a little like an executive order on steroids. It wow. is an executive order on steroids. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Brian, I know you have, I know you're so, brimming so with here's questions. A, here's a question for you, Mr. Noriega. Um, now, this is a sensitive subject, first of all, in my household. My wife is going to school. She's currently working on getting a degree in elementary education. And uh, oftentimes, see, I don't bring it up, but friends bring up Common Core. <laughs> and I, I'm not going to say she's defensive, but she says, you know, there's a lot of misconceptions. She says uh, there's great control at the local level. There's suggestions. Um, the thing you mentioned, though, that really stands out to me is funding. Because if there was ever a lever for control, it's tying funding to whatever the outcome is or whatever the desired action is that, that they want to see taken. Is there a way to show that Common Core is, in fact, using funding as uh, you know, kind of the carrot and the stick to, well, to bring schools and districts into line? I love your, you're talking about this, Brian, because that's exactly what's happening. In fact, that's what happened to – that's how they took over the education system. Back in 2011, several states opted to come completely away from No Child Left Behind. They said, okay, the funding that's coming in from the federal government, we're not going to take that anymore because we can't meet the standards. Those standards are too high. We can't meet those. Our test scores have been failing for the last decade. And so we can't do that. We're opting out. We're going to pay for education at a state level. And that's the way the Constitution set it up. So no thank you, Uncle Sam. We're opting out. Well, guess what? Uncle Sam came back with a trick out of their hat. They said, oh, don't worry about that. We have these things called waivers. And guess what? They're already set up on this website. All you have to do, all you have to do, states, is go in there and opt out. And as soon as you do that, you're signing into a future a future plan. Now, we're not telling you that plan right now. That's, that's something coming up in the future. But if you sign on to this, guess what? You can keep your federal dollars. You do not have to pass any of the No Child Left Behind standards. Now, doesn't that sound strange to you that all of a sudden the federal government is saying you don't have to keep the law? In other words, don't keep the law, that's fine, but here are your federal dollars if you sign away your rights right here. Well, the states were desperate at that point. Their funding had not been coming in, and so they're desperate for that money. And they say, well, we don't have to do any more No Child Left Behind. Yes, uh, we'll sign our rights away be between the dotted line. And they did that. Most of the states, except a handful of states, uh, signed away their rights. And what were they signing up for? 
That's the important part. Well, they were signing up for Common Core. And so all of a sudden here, a few months later, comes in, well, this is what you've signed in for. You've signed in for a national curriculum called the Common Core. And that's a funny thing, really, because in the original documents that I've researched in the Common Core, it actually says Common Core Curriculum. They've since then taken away the word curriculum because they're afraid of that word. They're afraid of that word because on a national level, it is against the Constitution of the United States of America to have a federal constitution. And so they knew that, the federal government, so they they got away from that. And that's why a lot of teachers are saying there's misconceptions and really the Common Core is not so bad. Or a federal curriculum. Exactly. Federal curriculum. Okay. You said constitution. I'm federal curriculum. You can't have a federal curriculum, right? It's against the Constitution of the United States of America to have a federal curriculum. That's right. And it's against the Utah Constitution to have anybody impose a curriculum on the state besides the State Board of Education. And that's important, too. And maybe we can come to that in a second. Wow. (laughs) I don't even know where to start. I mean, honestly... um Honestly, I don't know where to start with this because there's so many things wrong with it. Um, so this is our new state core curriculum, our federal curriculum that we have to go by. And right? that's and that's a funny part is the State Board of Education, which is now on board with this because of the fear uh, that the federal government's imposed on them. They're no longer ca- calling it uh, the common core. They're calling it the state core. They've switched terminologies because they want us to think. They want us to believe it's still our state standards but it's not it's not anything to do with state at all it's now a national core called the common core the next featured episode i'd like to present to you was a episode that i did last season fentanyl it could be hiding anywhere including in your house including in your medicine cabinet or maybe at a friend's house where you're hanging out playing games and you get offered a pill Don't take chances. If a drug didn't come from a pharmacy directly to you, you can find fentanyl by using a simple strip you can pick up at your local pharmacy. Don't take it until you test it, because fentanyl can be hiding anywhere. Brought to you by the Georgia Department of Behavioral Health and Mental Disabilities. Did your friend offer you a pick-me-up pill? If you take medication that didn't come from a pharmacy, it's important to test it for fentanyl. Fentanyl can be hiding anywhere. Pick up a test strip at your local pharmacy today and protect yourself from hidden fentanyl. Called Is Trump Captain Moroni? And I expressed to you back then when he was actually president of the United States of America. Imagine what he did. He came in as a captain, didn't he? More of a captain of a ship than a president. He came in after the worst tyrant that has ever lived as president of the United States, Barack Obama, that destroyed the country and gave the powers of this nation over to our foreign enemies and gave the power of this country over to the United Nations and destroyed America from within. Well, Captain Trump came in and from day one, not only disenraveled and undid the damages that Barack Obama had done, beginning with Obamacare, which was incredible because Obamacare was the most destructive, evil, engineered purpose of the United States. It was meant to fund the secret society of men. And it did that. And they became, this is why they are in power today, they became 
the most powerful organization on earth because they had the money to do so funded by Obamacare. Billions and billions and billions of dollars to run themselves without the need of Congress. Well, <laughs> Captain Moroni, Trump, came in and undid all that. And not only did he undo because there was a world to be undone, but he came in and created peace in the Middle East. He came in and with his programs created a safe nation with the creation of a wall. You wanted to enter the country, you enter it legally. We had a nation with our culture. We had protection of our religion. Our speech was protected. And he had unraveled the media's power. Can you believe that? So without delay, I present to you, is Trump Captain Moroni? President Trump is the last stance, the last offense, before our country falls in victim to the Gadianton robbers and is swept away completely off the map as a free country and becomes a radical leftist communist party uh, country. And the Constitution falls completely. All our amendments, the right to bear arms, etc., um, all, all vicious, horrible crimes like abortion, um, all, all horrible things that we praise now in our country like homosexuality, all these things paraded by the Gadianton robbers. Who's going to step up to these things? There's only one man and only one man can do it. Somebody asked me the other day, um, what can we do about it? What can we do to stop the destruction of the country? Reality is we, we can't do anything other than be on the right side uh, mentally, but all we can do is what we can do locally. Uh, with our own uh, little surroundings. Other than that, where is Moroni to save the country? Well, let's take a look at, first of all, the um, the government that was set up during Moroni's time. Now, if this mirrors Moroni's time, we're looking at Mosiah, uh, towards the end of Mosiah, right uh, right when we're getting, getting closer to enter uh, um, uh, Third Nephi. And so in Mosiah, you have Moroni, he is uh, underneath this government that we've all, all of us have studied this to be, and they've told us it's called the reign of the judges. And so we've all assumed that the government in place during this time is under a judiciary system, and that's all that's happening at, uh, at the time of Moroni. However, if you take the Book of Mormon to be for our time, and this is the last of the last days, and you take the Book of Mormon to be for us, then you have to say to yourself, well, wait a minute, we have a three-tier system. We have executive, legislative, and judicial. How can that mirror us if the Nephites had only uh, judicial, right? Uh, the reign of the judges. I've been a seminary teacher myself, and I've also taught it as the reign of the judges. However, that is not the case, apparently. Because it seems that at least there was an executive office, if not a legislative office as well. And so let me get into that. During Moroni's time, yes, there was a chief judge and there was also the prophet, of course. Uh, the prophet of that time spoke to God, etc., just like the prophet does in our days. But there was a chief judge that ruled and reigned and saw the cases just like our Supreme Court of the land does. But was there an executive branch? In other words, was there a president at that time? And who was the president of the Nephites? 
if the, they were exclusively with one tier um, judiciary system, in other words, if it was the reign of the judges, which is what the Nephites called it, by the way, but if it was exclusively a judiciary system, then there would have been no other tier of, of power and nobody to override the chief judge, correct? That was not the case in Moroni's time. In other words, it seemed to be a balance of power of at least two tiers in government, if not three like we have today. Let me go over the uh, executive branch of the Nephites. We already know that there was the judiciary system, the chief judge, and then there were the minor judges underneath, which uh, apparently there were levels of minor judges, just like the state supreme courts and, of course, the the district courts, etc. In the Nephite times, it appears that there were at least the supreme court level and minor judges underneath that. And so we have judges of the separate cities, which would be uh, the, the separate uh, gatherings of the Nephites, which could be uh, deemed as states, just like the United States. So every individual city also had their governor. So look at this. The governors now of each city were the executive branches. Now, governor today, uh, just like the governor of Utah or the governor of California, uh, let me say like Governor Herbert or Governor Cox, uh, the governor of California, the governor of, of um, Wisconsin, etc. These are all executives of their cities or of their states. We had the same exact happening during the Nephites. We had the executive branch at a local level. Let's call it a state or let's call it a city, whatever it is. It was still an executive branch. Uh, we know that there was a governor over the chief city, Zarahemla, of the Nephites, which was called Laconus. He was the governor of the land. He was not a judge. He was the governor, and he executed orders to have these um, military, um, you know, these armies spread out across the land. We know that it was their capital because it is stated in Moroni's Epsile to Laconus uh, that um, he was requesting troops from the capital city of the Nephites. And so, as we have this letter and this, um, uh, this executive department, at least at a state level, a local state level, what is Moroni's role in all of this? So let's think about it. We have two facts that happen here. First of all, Moroni raises a standard of liberty, as we see here above, and rallies all the troops around him, goes all throughout the whole country, gathering troops to fight against who? The insurrection, in other words, the king men at this time. Well, who can do this? Who can grab armies to fight against an insurrection? Who can do that? The executive. And he calls himself, in other words, it's recorded in the Book of Mormon, that Moroni, what his role is, is he's the captain of all the armies. So being the captain of all the armies or the commander-in-chief, what does that place Moroni as? It places him as the president of the Nephites. Now that word, that term president, 
does not appear in the Book of Mormon. And why doesn't it appear in the Book of Mormon? Because the word, the, the term president, didn't even exist until George Washington, when they established our country and they put George Washington as the first executive. Uh, they, they didn't want to have the title of king, and so they went with something, uh, you know, he controls the armies, etc. He's the chief general. Um, they made up the word president. He presides. And so he is presiding over the country, and therefore he is the president. That word was the, um, the made up, a new term in English, uh, that was made up in George Washington's day. But what is the official title of Washington and every president thereafter? It is commander-in-chief, of, in other words, commander of the armies, the chief general, the commander-in-chief of all the armies. Moroni here, that was his title. He was commander of all the armies, the general of all the armies. In other words, he could gather people, as many as he could, and he didn't need permission from the governors or the judiciary system to gather the armies. He simply went ahead as his role of the leader of all the armies of the Nephites, being president of the Nephites, and he gathered these armies. More proof about that comes later on, as he gathers up his armies and he writes to the governor of the the um, uh, of the chief city of the Nephites. In other words, they call it the capital of the Nephites. Now that makes me go hmm for a second. It seems like the parallel between the Nephites are is just outstanding, and it seems to mirror even almost a shady mirror, but a mirror nonetheless to our time, because the capital city being today, Washington, D.C., was under great turmoil as these kingmen are trying to take over the whole country. Same thing. Our capital is under great terminal, turmoil, uh, Washington, D.C., as these left-wing uh, extremists have now taken over the entire country. And so we see this incredible um, parallel between the time of Moroni and the time of the of uh, of that we have the time of Moroni with the Kingman and the time that we have right now. Another show I'd like to present to you, in part, is one of my most uh, listened to podcasts recently, because this nation is under the darkness and the tyranny of oppression not only by a secret society government, but also by the shadows of the dark side. The adversary, the king and the prince of darkness has overshadowed this whole world. And so I present to you things that you should know about abortion. Abortion being one of the deadliest, most criminal acts that this nation has ever done, with over 60 million children being aborted every year, over that number now. It is incredible. When I ran this show, that was the number, the tolls. But if you can imagine that, if you can imagine the plagues that came upon King Herod when he slaughtered all those infants, well, what our nation does, King Herod didn't even slaughter a fraction of the infants that we slaughter in the womb. And states like New York, states like uh, California, they slaughter infants all the way to birth. It is a gross crime and it is the most wicked by far 
above homosexuality, above adultery, above anything that can be done, above all things to kill an innocent child before he is born. Now, how does ju the judgment of God not come upon this nation for the crimes that it has committed with adultery? It sure will have to pay for all that innocent blood. We know God is merciful and God is great. But without any further comment, I bring to you things you should know about abortion before the end. Of course, devil in his rage, you know, he's been thrust down. What's the very first thing you're going to want to do? You want to have to murder these guys, right? Right when they come. Because that, you know, you don't want God's plan to be how you're going to let these guys decide for themselves, grow up in a family and decide for themselves. You know, abortion. Let's have it. That's, that, that abortion thing is the most diabolical thing in the whole universe. And it goes right along with his same plan. You see, if he can kill the baby before it's born, he can kill the baby. The baby has no choice, does it? You have a spirit, a child of God, that has chosen Heavenly Father, coming to this earth, getting sent down. Then that baby goes into their mother's womb, right? And then there he is, you know, floating around, waiting for his turn to be born through that tunnel of life, to make his choices, to decide who he's going to follow. And then here comes Satan. What would Satan do? Kill that baby before it's even born, before it even has a chance to decide, how dare these people choose God over me, he says. How dare these people, how dare these people to whom I was so good to all these years choose God over me. I'm not going to let them choose God over me. I'm going to kill them. And so he tempts it. He tempts the mind of you. He tempts the mind of your doctor. He tempts political leaders into all giving in and warping their mind with this thing, with this thing that he warps their mind about. He confuses them with choice and freedom and the same lies as before. It's your choice. It's your body. You are not having a choice. You're taking away somebody else's choice. A Fentanyl. It could be hiding anywhere, including in your house, including in your medicine cabinet, or maybe at a friend's house where you're hanging out, playing games, and you get offered a pill. Don't take chances. If a drug didn't come from a pharmacy directly to you, you can find fentanyl by using a simple strip you can pick up at your local pharmacy. Don't take it until you test it, because fentanyl can be hiding anywhere. Brought to you by the Georgia Department of Behavioral Health and Mental Disabilities. Spirit that has just come down from heaven, and you are believing the lie of him who is the enemy of all righteousness, even Satan himself. And you're believing this man and you are saying, I'm going to follow him by killing. <laughs> killing. What was the first sin committed on this earth? Just think about it. What was number one? First sin. Sin, sin. I'm not talking about transgression. You're talking 
I'm going to take the apple. That was a transgression. That's like a baby. But imagine the devil himself. Okay? And he says, he says, okay, I, I'm going to destroy their agency. Think about murder. When you talk about taking the life of an innocent unborn child, that is a satanic ritual that is not only satanic, but comes from his satanic worship. In fact, you think about the symbol of Satanism. Let's take a look at it right here. The symbol of Satanism. You see this little horns and this little beard, etc. Let's take a look at the democratic symbol of 2020, shall we? The democratic symbol of 2020. Here you have it. The horns, etc. To put the symbol of Satan in their own democratic campaign. Now, what do Democrats stand for? Think about it. And Republicans, you know, Republicans, Democrats, they've all melded into the same melting crap. This is the days where Satan has taken over and most people belong to his cult. Why do you think that Heavenly Father himself would send down his son to burn the earth, people? Why do you think that the most gracious God of the universe, the most wonderful being of all, would actually come down and kill everybody and burn them up alive? That's because everybody, including everybody out there, everybody's wicked. And they are all thinking that good is evil and evil is good. So abortion is murder. And it has never ceased to be murder from the day that Adam and Eve walked the earth. And just because these Satanists, these liberals, these horrible people love to adore Satan and tell you that it's choice, that was the same dupe that we were listening to in heaven when there was a war. And what did Satan tell us? Satan told us that he loved us. Listen, man. You're listening to the wrong person. Satan. Satan tells you there's nothing wrong with murder. One of the most controversial topics out there and some of the awareness that the enlightened people have, the people of truth, the people of light, the people that understand because the spirit speaks to them on a daily basis is this topic over the big vacula, the big bite in the arm, the big needle that goes in and the big twist that they've given on this salvation, safe and effective, safe and effective for everyone. Well, the reality is that things don't add up at all. They don't, they haven't been adding up. People are dropping dead everywhere. People like athletes that are strong after getting their boosters are dropping dead. The percentage of them dropping dead is, is tenfold, a hundredfold what it used to be. We used to see three athletes fall. Now we see 300. We used to see one, two, Three musicians fall. Now we see them in throngs. This is happening all over America. And people are acting strange or acting different because of the God gene being removed. But without delay, I bring you banned on YouTube because, of course, our voices were taken from YouTube and taken from social media because now we don't have freedom of choice anymore. 
this episode that received an incredible amount of hits from you, the audience, the intelligent audience, that was banned because it spoke too much truth. I bring you the top 10 things that don't add up banned on YouTube. We've had a pandemic before. It was called H1N1, the big flu. Remember that? 2009. Now, this affected about 60 million Americans. In other words, 60 million Americans got the pig flu back then, the world pandemic. And H1N1, did they make you wear a mask? You just don't remember. No, they didn't. Did they quarantine you at home when there was more than 12,000 Americans dead because of H1N1? Did they quarantine you? Did they close down businesses? Did they close down grocery stores? No, they did not. The administration, the Obama administration at that point, all they said was, wash your hands thoroughly. That's it. The whole campaign, the whole big flu was wash your hands. Worldwide epidemic, and they didn't close down one school, one restaurant, no air travel closed. There are certain things that just don't add up. Number eight. They've shut the whole infrastructure. Travel has been closed and banned. Okay, planes aren't traveling back and forth like they used to commute commerce. Imports, exports, the economy cannot sustain such a blow. Imagine you at home, me at home, everybody's at home except essential workers. Doesn't that sound? like grabbing the economy and shaking it up and wanting it to explode, the economy cannot simply last the way that this is going. If we continue, if we continue, the dollar will collapse. Things are not really the way they seem. Number seven. The words they're using. The words they're using are a little bit scary to me. They're saying desperate times call for desperate measures. I know we have to lock you down at home. I know we have to sit down and all you got to do is watch TV or the YouTube. I know no going to work, telecommute, etc., etc. Well, you know what? Those are the same words of the tyrants that over the periods of history we've heard repeatedly over and over again. This has to be done in order for that to be done. We have to use extreme measures because the times call for it. These words are tyrannical words that echo and frighten as we face a viral virus. Number six. They are taking away our amendment rights. First Amendment, freedom of speech. I can't say anything anymore to anyone. Freedom of religion. I can't go to church anymore. Freedom to assemble. I can't get together with a group of people anymore, anywhere. Freedom. Freedom is being taken away. And will they give it back? Because all I know is what I've heard from history. That once you give, you don't get back. Oh. Because we are afraid 
And they make us so afraid so quickly that we say, here, yeah, it's okay. I won't go to church. Well, you know what? Isn't there the communist states that have their own state religion? What's it called? It's called atheism. In other words, no God. No God, no religion, our religion. You worship the tyrant ruler, the almighty powerful ruler that rules everything from west to east, all across the world. Doesn't that sound like New World Order to you? Number five. Another of the top shows of all time was when I interviewed a remarkable man and an expert, Mr. Kitchen from Hawaii. There I discovered, or rather I learned about hand radio. And this incredible man, Mr. Kitchen, explained to me that when everything goes down, when the grid goes down, when, when communications are shut down, you will be left trapped alone without information. But there is a salvation to all of this. Because hand radio itself will probably be the only means of communication after the great event, after everything shuts down. Now, I've experienced complete shutdown myself. I was in Puerto Rico when Hurricane Maria came by. And when I say came by, it came through and hit hard. I know what it is to be at the end of the world without communication from the outside. This man, Mr. Kitchen, explained to me how hand radio will save your life at that point because you'll be able to communicate in a vast network worldwide because hand radio, it will soon be the only means of communication. And now without delay, the show. Uh, Tony, my call sign is Whiskey Hotel 6, Delta Victor, India. And I'm uh, living here on the Big Island. I'm involved with the Big Island Amateur Radio Club as a director on the executive board. Also, the volunteer organizations active in disasters. Uh, so I'm the chair of the communications committee. Uh, and also the amateur radio emergency service, which uh, coordinates a lot of the uh, amateur radio uh, emergency preparedness exercises statewide. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, welcome to all four, all, all well, welcome to us four, right? <laughs> welcome right. to all three of you. And um, what, what we wanted to talk about, if that's okay with all our hosts, if that's okay with you, Wayne and Randy, um, I wanted to start out with Tony, uh, give us a little bit of expertise on the on the hand radio subject. Um, is that okay with everybody? We start start with hand radios. Sounds good to me. Wayne, are you there? I always like to ham it up. Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good. So um, we are in a time that's strange. You know, we we're feeling presidential heat. Everybody's feeling it. And on top of that, uh, the disasters that are happening all over the world. I myself survived. Hurricane Maria uh, three years ago. Just things are happening everywhere. People are preparing. People are wanting to be prepared emotionally, spiritually, and of course physically. Uh, tell us a little bit about hand radios. Why? It, why is it a good idea in the first place to have hand radios, Tony? 
So uh, many people don't realize how fragile our traditional communication systems are, especially cell phone service, but uh, even wired landlines. Uh, there's many, many different things that can go wrong. Even our recent lava disaster here uh, cut out communications to a big segment of the island. And so with uh, amateur radio, you've got a lot of options for talking uh, locally or even worldwide, uh, depending on your equipment and your license capabilities. So uh, you can use amateur radio point to point, which means no infrastructure required. All you need is a radio and a battery, uh, or you can use it in other modes, but uh, it's the communication means of last resort that's always gonna work if you know what you're doing. Well, that's that sounds fantastic. You know, um, I was myself in uh, Hurricane Maria, it's a category five, it hit Puerto Rico, and a lot of people were doing this, you know, they were, you know, looking up what's what's going on. I can't get a hold of my family members, <laughs> you know, and that kind of thing happened and stayed that way for months. Uh, it was about two months, but in three weeks, there was absolutely no no signal whatsoever. The towers had come down. Uh, there was uh, no no communication of any sort in any way. And so if you wanted to get a signal, uh, some kind of cell phone signal, after three weeks, after everybody was wondering if you were dead, then maybe you could go to the topmost part of the island, hang out on the freeway, and hold your cell phone up in the sky. So. As for myself, I know what you're talking about, Tony, that if you want to find yourself uh, in, in a situation where you know you're going to be able to communicate and get the late, latest communication, be able to know what's happening in the world, in case of an emergency, my goodness, hand radio is the way to go. Uh, Tony, can you tell us how easy is it to set up, uh, uh, let's say, the basic system? The basic system. Well, I can go into as much depth as you'd like here. Um, the thing about uh, amateur radio, also known as ham radio, is it does require a little bit of knowledge and uh, skill and practice. So it's not like the other radio services, uh, like the family radio service where you just select a channel and transmit. Uh, but the basic level is the technician class level. That's the first license most people will get. And typically, they operate on uh, handheld radios, such as this uh, $30 Baofeng unit. Uh, or you can go a little bit higher end, uh, like the ICOM units, around $150 to $200. But the three things that uh, you need to be able to do with this is you need to be able to know what frequency you're going to operate on. So in simplex mode, that's point to point, one radio to another. And so basically you pick an appropriate frequency. For example, the national calling frequency is 146.520. You put that into your radio. And as long as someone else is within range on that frequency, that's all you have to do to transmit. Uh, so simplex transmission from one radio to another is the simplest way. However, your range is going to be dependent on your terrain. So in a typical scenario with a little rubber duck antenna like this, uh, if you have forest and buildings around you blocking your signal, you might only get three to five miles. Uh, 
when I was, he says. Only that was my yeah. next question was how far can you go? Because I know I bought a couple of walkie-talkies. I thought, you know, if some disaster happens, I don't want the same thing happening over there in Puerto Rico, uh, not to be able to communicate at least to my wife or where she is uh, or to my kids. Bought a couple of walkie-talkies, and like you're saying, the forest situation, the trees, etc. That thing said it could go up to five miles, and it did it. It went 500 yards at best. <laughs> you know, so when you're talking about five miles, five miles with trees, I think that's fantastic. Now, this radio right here is not a ham radio. This is a family radio, and it operates at a half watt. Now, typically, these radios, you notice this one has a larger antenna, and the antenna makes all the difference. This particular radio is a 5-watt radio, and most handhelds are going to be 5-watt radios. A mobile radio or a base station will typically be 20 to 50 watts, sometimes higher. And you can easily get 20, 30, 40 miles, depending on terrain. Now, I went to the top of Moana Loa with this radio with a rubber duck antenna, and I was up at about 14,000 feet. I made a 212-mile contact on this little handheld radio all the way to Oahu to a guy that was on the mountaintop over there. So we celebrate the 100th episode bringing you bits and pieces of the great episodes of What They Don't Want You To Know. And I hope you will join me for another 100 as we continue to root out their lies, to shed light upon their deceptions, and to bring to pass your understanding before the second coming and before the end of the world. I'm your host, and it's been a pleasure, these hundred episodes. Thank you for listening. Thank you very much. What they don't want you to know with your host, Mr. Noriega. Is the government keeping secrets? You bet they are. And here, those secrets are revealed. Teacher, seven years, researching the common core of the education system. Author Noriega. What they don't